The following episode of True Stories Based on Fiction can and will contain explicit language and adult content. Listener discretion is highly advised. Well, maybe not that highly advised on this one, because uh, although we do swear, we don't really get too spicy on this one. And when I say we, uh, I'm not referring to myself and any of the many other co-hosts on the True Stories Based on Fiction network. I'm talking about me and comic artist and animator Jeff Johnson. Um, he sat down with me over Skype, of course, um, for a one-on-one interview because I, because the other hosts were all, uh, busy at the time, unfortunately, but we talk about, um, his work, uh, at CrossGen Entertainment on the book called Way of the Rat. Uh, we, we dabble into his work on the Ultraverse line with, with Solitaire and the work that he's most known for in comics, Wonder Man. Um, then we kind of shift gears between that and his, uh, his, very long run in the animation field, and he, and he's worked on his on it all, guys. Uh, one of my personal favorites is that I did not know that he worked on the Boondocks. Uh, we talked about that, um, so <clears throat> how, how that was, and a learning curve for him being that he uh, dwells into the hip hop culture. Works on uh, Avengers: Earth Mightiest Heroes, Justice League, Young Justice, all of the great cartoons um, and animation shows that we hear on the network, and I'm sure you guys do in the audience, have always considered the very best. Jeff Johnson has his footprint on all of those. Um, we also talk about some of his work, um, if he prefers working uh, in a solitary environment uh, versus working in a studio system, like say at a cross-gen or with animation. Uh, we talk about if he's going to do some work on a new Boondocks cartoon that's coming out because uh, they just announced a relaunch of that series pretty recently. Um, we do talk about a lot of cool things. Um, the conversation flowed very well. Uh, this is my second one-on-one interview, and it went very well. And uh, Jeff Johnson is an amazing guy. You can cast him online. Go ahead and do that. I think he's at Jeff Johnson. If you look him up on the Internet, make sure you find the proper one who's a comic artist and animator. Because uh, as we talked about, as you talked about on the show, there's a lot of Jeff Johnsons out there, but he is a genuine article. Um, so, so make sure you find him. If you see it, if you see him at a convention, get a commission from him, uh, and, and let him regale you of any of his very interesting, cool stories about his his life and time in the comic book and animation um, industry. Um, this is the beginning of the summer. It's getting hot as fuck. Uh, but we got a lot of hot shit coming for you on the podcast network, as you've seen already this last couple of weeks. Been very well. Um, but that thing, but that shit's all coming out to you. But until then, enjoy. You got exactly ten minutes to decide if you really want to know. You have filled this city. Yeah, you know, let's face it, this is not the worst thing you've done today.
for all of the people in the audience who are in Michigan like me, how do you pronounce the state that you're in right now? <laughs> well, I mean, that's a, I mean, that's a good question. I pronounce it Oregon. Okay. The proper way. Um, yeah. Um, <laughs> but I'm also a native born Californian. Okay. Um, so I've always pronounced it Oregon, but I, I, I don't, what's the other way to pronounce it? Uh, I'm not, I've always said it the proper way, Oregon, like, or, and again, but say really close together, but there, right. there is a certain contingent of Michiganders, and I'm not sure if they're close, like, to, like, the Upers or they're in some uh-huh. other part of Michigan, but not where I grew up, but there's a lot of people I know in my adult life who pronounce it Oregon, as an Oregon trail that, uh, that a computer ah, game. Or, or a gone. Like or the a, a has an umlaut on it or yes, something? Yes, yes. And, and it infuriates uh, me. And I've had debates, lively debates, <laughs> about the proper way to say it. Well, I've never heard an Oregonian say Oregon. Thank you. So that proves <laughs> that the proper way to say it is the way that you and I are right. saying it. So Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, but that's, that, I mean, that's that's apocryphal. I don't know if, I don't know if it used to be pronounced Oregon. Um I highly doubt it. <laughs> but I also know, yeah, I doubt it too, but I do know that the West Coast has a bit of a lackadaisical uh, approach to vowels. So True. I don't know if, um, if, uh, if, if that's just the way we pronounce it or that's the way that it used to uh, Who knows? Like, what, what is Oregon? I mean, I'm assuming that Oregon, Oregon, Oregon is because, <laughs> there, was gold, because there was gold here. Ah, yes. But I don't. But I've never looked into the history of it at all. But um, here's the thing, though. Uh, from what I can um, figure out, everyone who, who says Oregon played uh-huh. that game Oregon Trail. That there was a pr- pretty big a computer game in like the '90s, I believe. That I never played. I remember. I remember it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and that game is pronounced Oregon Trail. And then there is some credence to your theory that maybe because of how that game is pronounced and that was like a gold rush type game, maybe at some point right. it was called Oregon, but we're talking about 2019 where it's called <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> right. Well, I was just in New Zealand and, um, Oh yeah. Everyone there says, uh, Jif for my name. Really? Like J I, yeah. J I F F Jif with a little bit of a, um, <laughs> Which I lo- which I love. I think yeah. it's way better than Jeff, um, which is how my which is how I pronounce my name. I mean, you can change that now. <laughs> is that the way? I, I suppose I could pretend to be from New Zealand, but I don't. I just don't know. It's 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 hard to shift gears so late in life. True. <laughs> so when did you guys start your podcast? Uh, we started our podcast in 2015. Cool. Yeah, and we just hit 100 episodes uh, probably a couple weeks ago because this is going to come out inside baseball uh, for the audience again. Uh, this is probably going to come out next week. So the second, well, I guess the first full week of uh, of uh, July. Cool. Yeah, and this All is right. be episode 108, I believe. No, 109. This is going to be 109, I believe. What inspired you guys to do a podcast? Um, so back when I first got my iPod Touch in like 2007, uh, cause I, because I'm cheap and I, I just bought an iPod Touch in 2007, I look mm. for anything free I can find. So then I found the podcast section and because I was Oh yeah, of, no, I, I, mean, I personally love podcasts. I listen yeah. to them all the time. 
and, and then at that time, I discovered a lot of comic book based podcasts, and and they were all amazing. And then I've always wanted to start one. And then I uh, like I had a couple of friends who had the same idea, so we started one, and it's been off to the races from there. Sweet. Yeah. Thank you. Excellent. And so, how do you get? Uh, have you just been um, uh, just sort of cold calling guests to start, or did did you just go? Because I know we met at the show. Right. Is that how you kind of? Um, uh, met the the guest and whatnot. Um, we didn't start doing our interviews for probably about 2017 or so, and it was essentially from a Motor City at first, and that's where I, I got our first group, and then from there from Twitter. So like we talked okay. on Twitter, and then we was to have a conversation with them, and then I asked them to come on. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. Well, congratulations! 100 episodes is impressive. Yes, yes, it took a long time to do, and we've had a couple of uh, setbacks along the way. Uh, inside baseball for the audience and for you, we, we had to add on a couple of shows so we can get back on like a regular schedule. Because initially it was only this main show, but then we added on a mm-hmm. show um, uh, that's about hip hop, music, and culture. We have a love, sex, and dating show. We have a oh, show, fine. yeah, so it, it, it covers the entire spectrum now. And then we have a show uh, about Rocky movies, so. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Are you are you a boxer? You a boxing fan? Oh, no. no. I'm a boxing fan, but I'm more of a Rocky fan. <laughs> oh, I got you. Than anything else. Very cool. I did a, a show. I was a, a character designer um, way back when my first animation gigs was I was – one of the character designers on uh, the second season of The Boondocks. I was going to talk to you about that perfect segue, yeah. Oh, yeah? Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I really wish that I'd had a, um, a hip-hop podcast to listen to <laughs> back then because I was completely – I never – I mean, I always loved hip-hop and rap. I just – I didn't know as much about it as I needed to to, to be drawing um, – Ludacris and and all those guys the the way that was my it turned out to be my job to do. Oh yeah yeah because you because you uh I have your IMDb printed out here uh cool. some of it and you did the story of Gangsters Part Two and that's probably what you're talking about um with a lot of like the character likenesses right. Oh yeah I did well, I did a ton like there was um uh we all I did likenesses of of just tons and tons of people like. Um, God, I can't even remember their names now. Um, <laughs> I did Snoop Dogg. Yeah. I did a, a ton of NBA players. I did uh, Ludacris. I did a couple other. Um, I think Buster Rhymes was on there, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I did Buster Rhymes. Yeah, I did. Wow. I just did a ton of guys. So. Uh, yeah, which is fun. What was your time on that show like? Because uh, that was a. Oh no! Well, before we get there, have you heard the announcement that apparently is coming back? Oh, no, wait, there's going to be a fourth or fifth season? Apparently, um, it's going to be a reboot, so like it's going to be a new season one, like a brand new series. Oh, that's interesting. No, I hadn't heard. Yeah. All right. Because uh, I because I remember um, the kind of like the uh, Chappelle show, the last seasons of The Boondock had some issues with, with Aaron Magruder and the network, so he left or, or got fired, I'm not sure. But now right. it's, it's him again, and I'm not sure if it's going back to uh, Cartoon Network or what. But yeah, but apparently it's coming back. Interesting. Uh, well, good. I mean, it's a great show. It's yes, it's hilarious. Hilarious. Um, you know, they, I mean, yeah, they normally get really good animation. The I just say the fight scene. Yeah, the fight scenes are fantastic. Like, it's a great show. I, I haven't seen. Um, 
I haven't seen the third or the, I mean, I've seen some of the third season, but I heard there was a fourth season that was done in Korea that I never saw. Yes. So I'm, I'm way behind on my actual viewing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But yeah, it's a great show. I'm glad they're doing more of them. Yeah, uh, me too. Hopefully they give you a call like, and get you back on it. Uh, no, I don't, I don't think that's going to happen. I live up in, um, uh, I live up in Oregon now, and that's, that's a kind of, like when you're a character designer, you kind of need to be in-house. God, since I it's, see. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, if I still lived in L.A., I would definitely try out for that gig. It's a, it's a crazy cool show with lots – I mean, it's hard. It's a hard show. Right. Um, but it, it's, it's worthwhile. For sure. Um, and – to that point, it is kind of strange that, because um, the same is, is true for like a screenwriter. Like even 2019 to be a screenwriter, you still have to be in LA. But you would think with the advent of Skype and, and other things like that, and like email, that you'll be able to work from anywhere. Well, it, it's I mean that's true, but um, and I think that it's a lot easier now to catch a break because of Skype and email and the internet in general. You can you certainly have a lot of more opportunities to make connections than you ever did when I was breaking into comics. Mm-hmm. But um, any production is kind of like it's kind of like a war. Um, mm. So you you wind up being at the studio twenty four seven. So it's kind of um, you you need to be in town to, to I think to really make it work for for most for animation for TV. I don't know about um, movies and stuff. Right. Okay. Yeah, like that makes sense. Not as you say it. Um. So, one more question about Boondocks, and like we might come back around sure. to you later. So, this is kind of a funny, not funny question. So, uh, all right. <laughs> you uh, like worked on the second season, and, and then you said that you yeah. watched the first two, correct? Oh yeah, I've seen the first two. I haven't seen them in forever, and I've only seen part of the third season. Okay. So. Uh, I, I think that this question ties into the second episode. So when the newer R. Kelly uh, allegations came out, were you surprised after you saw the Boondocks? Oh, you know what's funny is what's that funny? Um, I think that uh, when I was working on the show, which was way, God, way back, 2004, 2005, yeah. something yeah. like that, um, I, don't know if I don't know if all the R. Kelly stuff had come out yet. No. What well, right like I, the big two did uh the uh tape <laughs> <laughs> right right the right. tape was out that was still and then but that was Chappelle had done you know had yep. pretty much covered it so um and I don't know how much blowback there was from that so uh was I surprised no <laughs> <laughs> but I don't think anybody was surprised no you'll be you'll be surprised how many people were surprised by that because like. Really? I had a friend who had no idea that that tape came out because that tape came out. I was like ninth grade. That was like the year two thousand, and she didn't know about the tape, and she also didn't know about um, him marrying Aaliyah uh, back in the nineties. And like, she thought that everything that happened last two years was that's all that happened. Like, no, (laughs) no, no. I know about this since I was a kid. Yeah, I mean, I lived in L.A. long enough. To, to know that whatever comes out is just the tip of the iceberg. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, yeah. Yeah. Unfortunately, yeah. And then uh, people act so surprised, and of course, 
there are a lot of fucking sickos out there, especially everywhere, but especially in Hollywood. It like seems to be like a, 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 a um, it seems to be uh magnified. But with all of this cancel cancel a culture and everything like that, but a lot of people have their hands dirty in this. So like it, it kind of it's kind of to the point where you can't just say I'm not gonna listen to this person or watch this movie because everybody, well, a lot of people. And that Hollywood culture have done things that we would think are just irrehensible. I mean, that's that's true. I mean, it's true. And you you get to decide where you spend your dollars for sure. Right. Um, but uh, I I definitely think that you know it's if you don't if you don't like someone's behavior, supporting them, you know, you don't you don't have to. There's plenty of great music and film and TV out there that sure. if someone does something awful, it's really like. It's really up to you, but there's other people. It's not like back in the day when you only had one guy to watch. <laughs> right, right, right. Like now, now you get to like if someone does something you don't like, you know, there's plenty of other people who are probably doing the exact same thing. Right. That sure. that aren't that aren't scumbags. <laughs> That's a very good point. But, yeah. Yeah, but Hollywood's a weird place, man. Like, um, it's a uh, it's. You know, there's everyone driving like is I remember my wife once was like, man, these drivers are the worst. Uh, and she's from New York. So that <laughs> said something. Yeah. But I told her, like, baby, everyone is high or drunk <laughs> or both or both. Everyone <laughs> on the road. It's it's a it's a it's a why it's, it's a strange place. Like uh, it's a lot of fun. And I'm glad that I worked there as long as I did. Um but I'm also happy that I live in Oregon now, which is a very calm, you know, we have trees. It's pretty here. <laughs> right, right. Um, so kind of branching off what we're talking about. So um, a lot of people in our audience would probably know you best from your comic book work, which we'll get to. But because we're talking about animation in Hollywood, how did you uh-huh. make the transition from being a comic book artist until being um, a character design guy for, for the animation uh, so I was um, I was working on the Fantastic Four uh, okay. in, in 2001, and then they um, there was a, a change of uh, who was in charge at Marvel. A lot of people got fired, and there was a Bob Harris to Casada. Uh, no, no, I think they're still there, or they were still there at the time. Um, but my editor on the Fantastic Four got fired, and mm. they went in. They changed direction. They 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 kind of moved to a different guy. Um, so I needed to find work and then Ron Mars actually called me up and asked me if I wanted to come to, to cross Gen in Florida and, uh, and work there. And I love Ron and right. I was, I, I wasn't out of options necessarily, but I really loved the idea of working full time, having a monthly, having an in-house gig that had insurance and, and all the things that cross Gen was offering. Uh, and so I took it. And then I did that. Um, I did that for a few years. I did some fill-in issues at CrossGen, and then I did Way of the Rat down there for a couple of years. And then when I moved back to uh, California, um, my friend Dave Johnson was leaving his job at uh, the Justice League Unlimited cartoon, where he was doing backgrounds and props and stuff. Okay. To do to design Ben Ten, like that was his new gig. And so they needed a background guy. Um, 
and Dave suggested me, and I got the job, and then that that was the end of it. Then I was in animation. Wow. Yeah. That's actually like a really cool story. And uh, we interviewed Dan Frega uh, last year, and like he had a similar story to how he moved from comics to uh, like the Hollywood industry as well. Oh yeah, well Dan, I remember uh, I've known Dan since he was a kid. We both grew up in Walnut. Well, we were both in Walnut Creek. I don't know if you mentioned it or not, but like I've known him since he was like seventeen or eighteen really? before he even broke into comics. Oh yeah, wow. uh, always a talented kid. Um, and uh, we became friends early on. Like I had just broken into Wonder Man, and I was working on that. He lived nearby, um, so he was putting together samples and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And then I know that he worked um, with Rob Leefield at Image for a while. And not too long ago, um, I saw that he had done all that stuff for uh, Wild Brain, the, the Ricky Gervais show. Yes, 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 yes. Uh, yeah, so I, I saw it. I love Ricky Gervais, and I love that show, and I saw his name, and so I just gave him a call. I'm like, fucker. <laughs> <laughs> like, I love this show. Congratulations. And then that's like we were able to rekindle like an old friendship from decades ago, which is nice. Very cool, yeah, for sure. He's a cool cat. Dan is a really cool cat. And then also, if needy, uh, if you have any hip hop questions, he's definitely uh, he definitely got you can ask. Oh yeah, is he, does he know his shit? He he, he knows his shit. And he was saying last year when we spoke to him, I'm not sure if it happened yet, but he was actually putting out like a rap uh a, a mixtape. Oh right on, cool. With him doing the beats, cool. lyrics, everything. Right on. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, no, he's very talented. I I had a real hard time. Like my studio, my little area when I was on Boondocks was full of um, uh, hip hop fashion and music mm-hmm. magazines and just tr- desperately trying to catch up and stay uh, and make sure that everything, all the costumes that I were drawing were were at least somewhat um, up to date and uh, accurate. Yeah, and then um, I, I can tell you uh, that as a as a black dude, uh, that 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 episode especially, it was it was on point, man. Like all of the fashion, all of the character design were definitely spot on. So thank you for that. Because <laughs> that is kind of oh, always thanks. a problem with uh, with um, depictions of guys like me <laughs> that, that they don't always look accurate to what I what I actually see. And that is right. one of the best things about the Boondocks as entire as a comic strip and cartoon. It was probably the best depiction and most diverse in terms of like the content and it had so many layers to it man so the fact that you were um, a part of that it actually made my jaw drop when i saw that uh, like on your uh, profile here <laughs> well i try like i you know i i tried to make sure that i was respectful and doing everything right and that i was making sure that because um you know, I'm I'm a kid from the suburbs, and uh-huh. uh, you know, a, a lot of the hip hop references were East Coast. I mean, yeah. I was born in California, and so ah. a lot of the shit was was East Coast, and a lot of the slang was East Coast too. So, <laughs> right, you, right. but also like a real specific era of hip hop. Like it was, it was, uh, um, it was really tied to a time and a place, and I just was not in the loop, and so right. I had to study. I had to study a lot to, to even mm-hmm. like. I would often walk into Carl Jones's office being like, I don't know what you're talking about. Like, what is, <laughs> what, what, what are chicken and broccoli? I don't know what these are. I don't know this language. Um, and they were always, they were always very nice to me. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. So, uh, and speaking of Carl Jones, it's a shame that he had to uh, cancel um, 
his appearance at a at a Motor City club. You guys could have like a whole uh, like little a reunion. Oh, I didn't even know. Was he supposed to be there? That yeah. bums me out. Oh yeah. no, I love that guy. He's amazing. He's a yes. great guy. He, he's a he's a great guy. He's a great artist. Uh, yeah, I think I've corresponded with him on Twitter for a bit. Yeah, completely great guy. Yeah, he's he's all he's fantastic. Um, yeah, you know it was interesting too because it was a you know it was a tough show. Like I was saying, like you're late you're late nights. Um, you're you're trying to get cartoons made, and Carl always made it seem worthwhile. Like he's mm-hmm. a, just a good guy to work with and hang out with. Um, I'm bummed he wasn't at the show. That would have been fun. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I'm not sure why he pulled out, but uh, I think it was pretty close to like the day of. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, you know, like shit comes up. You know, if you're right. if you if you're working in L.A., sometimes you have to take a gig, um, you know, without with very little warning. Yeah, and, and then also if you're at a con, especially unfortunately, uh, uh, not to talk bad about Motor City, but it's kind of more of a media show. Like a comics and cartoon and an animation show, so yes, yeah, it did seem like they had a lot of which is cool. Um, they had a lot of Sons of Anarchy stuff. Yes, a lot. <laughs> yeah, right. So if which, you're a, which my wife loves, but you know, right. it's not necessarily like I love the show, but it's not. <laughs> that's not why yeah. I was there. So if you're like a guy who's trying to like sell sketches or talk to fans about your stuff but um right. unfortunately like there's a huge contingent of people there who are only staying over in the media side yeah and it's hard to compete with just how you know charlie hunnam's cool like what are you uh-huh. gonna do right, he, right. He, can't, he, can't, he can't beat that guy <laughs> he he's very cool because of his uh seven-way accent that you can't place <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah he's well also like his um his martial arts and Pacific Rim are pretty damn good. Yeah, like, man. His, his combat's pretty awesome. Yes. Underrated movie, by the way. Hells yeah. Underrated movie. <laughs> Amazing movie. Uh, let's see. What else do I have here on my little list of questions for you? Uh, so let's talk about Wonder Man. So you sure. were kind of saying before that that was kind of like your big break. Oh, yeah. Um, I'd been trying to break into comics for a really long time, and I'd done a couple of things uh, that I hadn't been paid for, mm-hmm. um, you know, for like small publishing companies. And then um, uh, for a few years, Fabian Nisiesa and I had become friends. And uh, when he was in marketing at uh, at Marvel, mm-hmm. and then when he became a full fledged editor, he gave me a call and gave me a tryout nice. for Wonder Man. And then uh, and then I was lucky enough to get it. And then that was that was kind of the the beginning for me, where now I was a professional artist. It was great. Yeah, and you did the first twenty five or so, right? Well, I mean, I had some fill ins, but yeah, uh-huh. I was on the first twenty five or twenty four. And uh, I remember when I was a, a a child seeing that book on the rack. It was I think I was I think I may have been at a seven eleven and then like your artwork stood out to me even as a child because it was so different. It was so uh expressive. Like in the character on uh, like the muscles, the storytelling like you were one of the first artists that I actually um understood the storytelling on and it stood out. So yeah that was definitely great work by you. Oh thanks man. Well I have to say that one of the things that Fabian really uh drove into my head was that the, the story has to be clear without the words right like that's that, that's your job as the penciler is that someone should be able to just look at the comic 
and know what's happening. I mean, you're going to miss the subtext and the emotion and a lot of that stuff, but like it should play as though it's uh, a silent movie. And I always took that to heart. Yeah. And I like, it definitely shows. Um, now, because that was your first big work, uh, did it kind of ease you into uh, like Marvel style or by like doing full script and then like kind of um, taking it back some to um, integrate to Marvel style or was it just straight up Marvel style from the very beginning? Well, you know, you know back in the day, um, and I, when I say back in the day, like this is the early 90s, right? Like yeah. so Mar- there was just people wrote a lot differently than they do now. Like the, the whole idea of a full script was something that um, – I'd heard of, and I, I knew that DC did a fair mm-hmm. amount, but um, I had never seen a full script before, and and didn't for a long time. Like hmm. the standard script would have, you know, a page breakdown and some panel breakdown, and some dialogue, but mostly it was all suggestion. And then you would do your pages, and you would send those in, and the writer would would write the dialogue based on what you had drawn. So. Uh, if something changed, the writer would flow with that. Or if you had made um, some adjustments, then that was just that was that was actually your job. This whole thing now, where um, writers write full scripts and pencilers are expected to just write what they tell you to write, that's kind of a new phenomenon. Yeah, um, probably last ten years. Certainly or so. not. Yeah, and it's um, and I have real mixed feelings about it. Like sometimes mm-hmm. if the writer is great then you can get some really fantastic stories. But, you know, sometimes a writer doesn't necessarily have the best visual storytelling sense. And a lot of time, every artist has their own, you know, the things that they're good at. And if you if you try and get them to do things they're not good at, like um, when I was doing uh, Way of the Rat at CrossGen, Chuck Dixon pretty much would say fight scene and then leave it up to me since I have more experience in, in you know drawing combat than he does. Right. So, and then the same is true when I worked on Green Lantern with Ron Mars is like he would be like, okay, from here to here, this is happening, um, and he's going to say stuff like this, but I'll wait to do the final dialogue until I see your pages. Hmm. Now that's that is. Interesting, because Chuck Dixon uh, obviously like did like a lot of work in DC, and yeah, when I was a kid, like he was my favorite writer, and um, this is back when like the internet first started popping up and becoming popular. He put a couple of right. scripts scripts online, and like he was pretty much full full script, and like this was him like the Graham Nolan. So yeah. yeah. So well, like, I mean, well, that's that's when when I was doing. Oh, so so that's I've worked with Chuck on on Way of the Rat, and that was mm-hmm. a book that we. Uh, I think that might be different because it was a cross gen book. Could be, and um, we were both in the office together, so we would talk about stuff together. I would hang out in his office and throw ideas his way, and um, sometimes he would just he would say no, and then sometimes he would say yes. I'm like, oh, we'll totally put that in. So it was it might be a different relationship than most standard comics. True, yeah. And um, the way that CrossGen did it was breathtaking, and it was getting back to the old bullpen era. And um, it's, a, it's a shame that that didn't work. But everyone who came, everyone who went to CrossGen came out of CrossGen like 10 times better. Well, yeah, I mean, I, there's no doubt about that. The environment, whether the, whether the business succeeded or failed, well, and it failed, we all know that. But, um, <laughs> yeah. 
But in spite of that failure, I think that I personally as an artist became a lot better because I got to hang out next to people like Steve Epting and right. Bart Sears and Paul Pelletier. Like those guys were all amazing and being able to be near that much skill. Um, I think I really learned a lot. I learned a ton. Yeah. And uh, speaking of Steve Epting, uh, to my personal eye palette, he's, he was night and day better um, post cross gen because like his old Avengers to like his Captain America to me I took a double take to make sure that like actually unlike the same guy did it it was drastically different yeah he well he was always great but I definitely think he came into his own when he was yes. cross gen did you ever see the Corazon stuff his pirate book I did not unfortunately no oh that I mean if you can find it that shit is awesome yeah I mean I have heard that and now, yeah. now that actually brings me to a point that um, uh, that I was going to talk about with you anyhow. Now, uh, so you've been somewhat of a maverick and a risk taker because like, you went off the Malibu Ultraverse, then you went off like the cross gens, yeah. kind of like some startups who are doing yeah. great things. So we'll get into that in, in one second, but first I, I want to air to you a frustration. Um, oh, okay. <laughs> Marvel, Disney owns a Malibu, and they also own, well, and Disney owns CrossGen, which is who, who owns Marvel and, and all that shit. But my point right. is, why don't they reprint the shit so it makes it accessible for people to read? Uh, that's a, I mean, that's a great question. I don't know. Honestly, <laughs> I mean, I know that they own all the Malibu stuff, and I know they own all the CrossGen stuff. Um, the truth is, I mean, I, like, Maybe that stuff would sell well. I think it would, but um, I'm not an executive at Disney, right. so I have no, I have no idea. I mean, even put it on Marvel Unlimited. But... Sure. I mean, I would love to even see just the um, just the reprints, or not even the reprints, but the digital copies of stuff. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. If, yeah. It, yeah, I don't know. Your your guess is as good as mine, my friend. <laughs> I have no idea. Um, I'm just I'm just a guy in the trenches who draws the stuff. I have no <laughs> idea why they make any of the decisions they make. But even though you're, in your words, a guy in the trenches, you, you can probably clear up a rumor about Ultraverse. Because uh, being that you were one of the creators of Solitaire, right? Yeah. And I have your drawing of the Solitaire. Well, I don't have a drawing, but I'm holding your Solitaire trading card from like the Ultraverse card set in my hand right now oh yeah oh those are done by jerome i mean well i mean some of them were done by jerome you did one of them i think well, hold up let me make sure let me turn this around because the uh, package is in my hand but that actual card isn't one second but i All thought right. on the back of it said art by jeff johnson uh it might be yeah i mean it depends there are a bunch of cards and some of the, the best ones were done by jerome jerome does a good work in here for sure uh yeah. But my question, okay, so the rumor is that um, one of the reasons why Marvel will not do any reprints for the Ultraverse books is the fact that because of how the deal was structured at Ultraverse, Malibu, it would cost Marvel too much to pay all of you guys to do it. And being, uh, you know what? The, yeah. I don't know. I, I don't think – my understanding is that has nothing to do with it. Like if, I, mean, if, I don't think the, the concern is not – I mean, yeah, a lot of us had contracts where we were supposed to get a certain amount of money. But um, 
I don't know if that actually has anything to do with it because, I mean, I never got any money from the original sale. <laughs> right, I just don't right, think, right. Right? So um, and my understanding is that when it comes to pay, I mean, maybe that's it, but I've never heard anyone say that. Like, I've never heard that as a reason. Yeah, uh, I've heard that rumor uh, actually quite a bit. Um, there was actually a podcast that had about six episodes, like 2015 or so. Uh, and oh, they, yeah? they were a podcast that was attempting to go month by month of every Ultraverse, Ultraverse book. And it got the month before before they, uh, I guess, life got in the way. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's interesting. So did they even get to Solitaire? What, no. I don't know. We were, yeah. <laughs> yeah I don't even think we came in. We were pretty late in the yeah. in the process. I think so, yeah. Cause, yeah. Yeah, because uh, the first one, they did Hard Case, uh, Prime, The Strangers, right. I believe. They got as far as Breakthrough. Oh, okay. Cool. Yeah. And, and like, yeah. You, didn't you guys come out, like, a little bit after Breakthrough? Uh, yeah, God, you know what? It's, sometimes it's hard to keep track. Like, <laughs> right, right, right. like, it's one thing to know, like, I could tell you when I did the work, but, like, how it fit into the publishing schedule, I would never be able to remember. Right. But, uh, while we're on Malibu, though, let's talk about Solitaire. No, but let's talk about Solitaire, but first, I want to commend you and, uh, also have you tell the audience about the interesting thing you guys did for the first six covers, I believe? Five or six covers? Uh, Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, for six. Uh, yeah, that was that was um, that was an idea that I had, and I my goal. I don't know if I told you this when we were in uh, Motor City or not, but my my dream for that was to do an entire twenty two pages of covers mm-hmm. that were a, that. So you would get an extra story that was just the covers. Nice, because each splash page leads you know is a is basically one panel from uh um, a chase i had a whole i had it all planned out mm-hmm. um and i didn't tell anyone i was doing it uh because i didn't um i didn't i didn't want them to basically i didn't want them to interfere sure yeah <laughs> and then when i did tell them that i had done it when i was leaving the book that's when they looped them all into an issue uh, yeah, because I think that those first six um, became the first page of seven or something like that. Yeah, they became, they became the first six pages of like uh, issue seven or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Which was an idea that was definitely original, and I don't think that I've seen since then. Well, no, uh, no one's done it. No one did it. Yeah, no one had done it before. And no one's done it since. And part of the reason, I think, is just, it takes too much planning. Like, <laughs> I had planned it. And um, and so I knew what I was doing. Uh, but if I had told people, then it would have had to become a deal. And then once you get more once you get more than one person involved, and that's when uh, shit can go awry. But, yeah, no, I'm pretty sure I'm the only person who's ever done that. Yeah. And I feel like you don't get the accolades that you deserve for doing that shit. <laughs> for, do, for, for actually doing something original in comics right. yeah, no, I don't. <laughs> well i didn't pull it off right i get i mean i get it i never finished it it didn't work um someday when i'm doing my own book uh and i do and i can plan out um 20 you know 23 issues right. <laughs> and, I, and i can probably do that but yeah it's a lot i mean it's a lot it's complicated um and coming up with a cool cover i mean it's it's one of those things that, um, you know, you try as a young artist where you're trying to make your bones and, and impress people that 
really is a a better idea in theory than it is in function. <laughs> right. <laughs> but I still appreciated it and thought it was one of the, now honestly I read Solitaire probably in the last five years because uh oh cool because as a kid I didn't have much access to a comic book store because my mom didn't take me to them right <laughs> um so um the the newsstand presence for Ultraverse unfortunately wasn't really that great oh yeah for sure right like they were kind of hard to find yeah um and the first time that I saw anything about Ultraverse, besides in like Wizard Magazine, was when the cartoon was coming out. Oh yeah, did that ever make it all the way out? Thirteen episodes, and it was syndicated. And uh, in my area, it came on UPN on Sunday mornings. Not a Saturday morning I've cartoon, ne- but a Sunday morning cartoon. I've never seen them. Are they good? Uh, some are. <laughs> all right, fair enough. Like, um, is Solitaire in them? I don't think he made it. If so. Maybe in the background somewhere. Uh, like there was never an episode that focused on him. But Sludge got okay. his, his own episode. Nightman got an episode. Uh, oh, my dear, my friend Derek uh, did Nightman. Yeah. Well, well, Nightman had a TV show too for a little, like a season. Right? Yeah, it did. Yep. Yep. That was also syndicated on Sunday nights in my area. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, that's. Uh, I remember. I remember the TV show. Uh, yeah, Derek. Derek's had a lot of stuff of, of his made into TV shows. Yes. Oddly enough, Happy. Yeah, Happy, and Which also the amazing. Boys is coming out soon. Yep. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then Nightman. So he's, I mean, as a comic book artist, he's had three shows of yeah. his stuff. That's pretty impressive. Hopefully, he's going to pay for all that shit. Well, I mean, sadly, you know that um, it's never as much. One of the fallacies is that as a comic book artist, you make a lot of money. Right. Um, but, uh, but you know, it's just not always true. Like, uh, especially when you're dealing with uh, a show, you might get a action or you might not. It's it's never it's never as straightforward as you would hope. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so, like, the first... Now, the problem with the Alter Force cartoon to me, with my adult eyes and also with my kid eyes... The first maybe five episodes of the 13 was one story. Mm. Basically the first six issues of the Ultra Force car, uh, comic book. So having okay. a, a 13 episode season spending a, a little under half of that telling one story, that was kind of a misstep in my opinion. Sure. Uh, yeah, I, I've never seen it. I would have to check it out to see like um, what they were trying. Because I have no idea what they were even trying to do. <laughs> um. Th- they follow the first arc of Ultra Force pretty much to the T, but it took out like a lot of the stuff that was, weren't it wasn't really kid friendly, and then uh. everything else was kind of uh, like one offs. Uh, like I said, like the Nightman episode, episode with Sludge, Lord Pumpkin, and then the last two were a two parter, I believe. But if you want to watch them, they're all on YouTube. Oh, uh, okay, I'll have to check those out. Yeah. In really good quality too, actually, really good quality. Uh. All right, thank God for YouTube. Yeah, that's like YouTube. Yeah, YouTube. You can see um, when we were at CrossGen, we did uh, motion capture comics. Yes. Or motion comics, mm-hmm. um, and we did Way of the Rat, and uh, all twelve episodes that we did are available as a movie on uh, on YouTube. Oh, nice, nice, nice. Yeah. That I did not know. So that might be my um, evening dinner viewing. <laughs> <laughs> sure. It's. I mean, they're not. They're not great. I mean, they're the comics, so they're as good as the comics were in that regard. But um, 
you know, it's, it's but it has some music and it's got sound effects. And I definitely think that we were ahead of the curve uh, on trying to do that stuff across gen. Like we were the first ones to do online subscription comics. That was I remember that. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so we were we were definitely if the business had succeeded, I think we would have broken a pretty impressive amount of ground. I mean, yeah, uh, you guys had amazing ideas because uh, the superhero market was already fully saturated. So you guys did everything else. You did fantasy, sci-fi, everything like that. Yeah. You had great paper quality. The coloring was amazing. Just like it, um, Colors were great. Yeah. yeah. My colors particularly was awesome. Who was your colors? A guy named Chris Garcia. Okay. Okay. Yeah, he was great. He was really, really great. Yeah, and it's a shame that like that didn't work out either. So, uh, what kind of attracted you to these newer companies? Well, you know, it's um, uh, two things. Well, for for one, like Malibu and Crossin, both part of the alluring offer was that um, you would get to own part of the part of what you were creating, mm-hmm. and that's. And I always felt that Marvel and DC never were quite up to speed on that. Um, right. And so I always liked trying to be part of a new company that was trying to do it differently, you know, trying to cut the artists and the writers in. Um, mm-hmm. And then both Malibu and CrossGen offered that. And when it came to CrossGen, like having a regular paycheck and insurance and all that stuff, but also yeah. being – I lo- love the studio system. Um, getting to work with really talented people, I just, I just liked it. Right. Yeah, um, <clears throat> Marvel is <clears throat> Marvel and DC are well, especially Marvel. Unfortunately, are still kind of behind the ball on that. Because in, in in our conversation, we're finding out that DC is a lot more uh, creator friendly, we'll say, than Marvel is these days. And also, too, like this is way back in the nineties, right? right? Like, so times have really changed. I think that both Marvel and DC have figured out that their bread is buttered. Um, on the side of the writers and the artists. And I think so they're my understanding now is that they're a lot better about, uh, cutting people in. Mm. Now, it's definitely good. And maybe on the cutting them in, but, uh, I forgot who we're talking to. Like this is becoming like a Evan name drop podcast, but I think we were talking to, um, to Daniel way. He was saying that in 2018, cause that's when like the interview was, there were still sure. guys making 40 bucks a page. Ooh, for like for penciling. Yeah. Wow. Uh, where do they live? Are they in Italy or South America? <laughs> he, he, he was saying guys here, here in the, in the U S of a. Now I asked Ron Garney about that. He said, he said, he didn't think that was happening, but then I was like, Ryan, but you've been working here since 90, so they can't pay yeah. – I mean, they probably can't pay you that much less. Yeah, I mean, not to say anything negative about the the big two, since I haven't worked for them in a while, so mm-hmm. I actually have no idea. But I do know that page rates have not really gone up much. Which so, is crazy, yeah. Yeah. Um, but, you know, like that's – comics is always struggling, so – but once again, I haven't worked for them in a long time. I don't know what their what their policies are now. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, yeah, you'd have to talk to someone who was much more in the loop than I am. Right. And um, what really struck me about that was the fact that uh, when I was a kid, wanted to be like a comic book artist. I remember that Wizard Magazine was saying that the average rate, like ninety seven, was like two hundred a page. 
Uh, yeah, well, I mean, I st- when I started off on Wonder Man, I started off at sixty dollars a page, mm. um, and, that and that's like ninety one, right? Ninety one, ninety two. Um, and that that was that was only because um, I was a, I was actually just a brand new penciler, right. so uh, it took a while. It took a few months for the book to do well, and for then I got a raise. Um, and eventually, I was doing okay, but I don't think I ever made much more than two hundred a page, just because. Mm-hmm. That, I mean, once again, that's was on Wonder Man. That's still in the nineties, right? Right. Yeah, right. To be honest, like I think back then I was happy to get that. <laughs> like, I mean, sixty bucks a page in two thousand. I mean, in, in ninety one, twenty two pages a book. Let's do some quick math for sixty times twenty two. That's thirteen hundred twenty bucks times twenty four pre tax, of right. course. That's Wait, the, and you're assuming that's the that's that's making the assumption that I could do a page every day, which, <laughs> right, right. I, I, which I could not, <laughs> right? Like that was but, not happening. So yeah, no, I was super poor. <laughs> 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 I was yeah, but that came out to be a bearing like the if you're the quickest artist back in those days, making about sixty bucks a page, it's like thirty one, thirty one sixty. Which is decent for 2019. So in the 90s, if you were fast enough, that was a right. pretty, a pretty decent living. Sure. Yeah. No, it wasn't bad. Like I was certainly better than where I was working um, at the bank. It right. Was more money than that. Right. <laughs> so, uh, and it was more money than any other crappy jobs I'd had, and I got to draw comics. But I was telling someone just the other day that I have made more money drawing sketches of Wonder Man in the last 20 years at conventions. <laughs> um, than I ever made actually drawing the book. Yeah, I mean, that... I'm sorry, go ahead, go ahead. I was just going to say, because, I mean, he, you know, people love him. He's a fan favorite, so yes. I, I draw him all the time, which is, I love I love drawing him. He's a, still a fan favorite of mine. Yeah. He drew me a beautiful one. Oh, did I? Oh, cool. Yeah. Yeah, because I think uh, I gave yeah, you the so... option between a Wonder Man and maybe Moon Knight. Oh, okay. I yeah. mean, I love Moon Knight too, but I'm always going to fix Simon for sure. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah, he he's my boy. <laughs> um, so is another thing that kind of attracted you to animation and kept you there for probably a good what ten to fifteen years is the fact that it did pay so much better. Well, it does, I mean, it does pay. It does pay better in general. Um, but the truth is, like, I really thrive in the studio system. And the animation studio system worked great for me. And uh, once again, like the cross-gen thing, I got to be uh, surrounded by really fantastic artists, and I got better uh, mm-hmm. working working in-house. Yeah, uh, that makes sense. Um, yeah, some people don't like it, but I, I really did. I really like working in-house. I mean, I mm-hmm. like being freelance, too. It's You can't beat um, being your own boss, but uh, there's something awesome about you know, working all day next to really great artists. You yeah. just can't beat it. Mm-hmm. Like, you definitely learn a lot, and then, like, just being with other people, because um, I would imagine it's kind of like the old saying, still sharp and still. Yes, yeah, no, agreed. Uh, because there's also, like, working on your own as a, as a comic book artist, or even a storyboard artist, which is what I do mostly now, and I'm freelance mm-hmm. uh, up here in Oregon, is, like, it can get, you know, you can get in your own head pretty easily. Um, And if you're sitting next to a guy who's uh, really, really good, you can just turn to him and be like, what the fuck do I do now? (laughs) And then they can usually help you out and get you out of a slump. So Mm -hmm. it's, it's better to have those guys around. And I, I feel like 
it's so easy to get lost um, at the table. Like it's and having other professionals around is really helpful. Yeah. Yeah, like that makes a lot of sense. And I'm looking over your IMDb again. When mm-hmm. when you were when when you're doing like the animation, did you begin to be known as like the go-to guy for any type of comic book project, like like say Batman, Superman, Public Enemies? You know, it's funny. I um, I st- I got I've been doing. A, there's so much of that stuff being done that um, I don't think that I got a name for it necessarily because. I was a comic book guy myself, um, mm-hmm. but I think that I was good at drawing that stuff because I'd had so much comic book experience. Right. So um, even if someone had never read my work in comics, like I had a handle on, oh, this is how these characters move. This is who these people are. Um, I had kind of an, a bit of an advantage. Yeah. I, I can definitely see that. And then also yeah. look at uh, – you worked on a Simpsons movie. Tell me about that experience. Oh, that's actually not me. That's there is another Jeff Johnson. How dare you, IMDb? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there, there, so there's two. There's there's actually a ton of Jeff Johnsons. There's there's a couple of Jeff Johnsons in comics, um, and there's a couple in animation. And so every once in a while, the other Jeff Johnson and my IMDb get mixed up a little bit. All the 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 really cool Disney stuff. Okay. Um, that's going to be in the Simpsons. That's going to be him. And I am much more the Transformers. Um, okay. Uh, Batman stuff. So, yeah, no, I've never actually done any Simpsons stuff. I worked in the same when I worked on the Avengers uh, and in Burbank. We were in the same building as the Simpsons guys. Um, mm. the Stars building there across the street from Burbank Airport. But uh, no, never actually done any Simpsons. So, uh, you know what? I wonder if this is mainly the other Jeffs and they just put the Boondocks on here then because this is a lot of Disney shit. No, no, but yeah, yeah, Boondocks is mine. Um, <laughs> and no and, Avengers uh, on here. It, yeah, there's no Avengers on that one? Yeah, no. so there's, it's tough because he, we have, we, I wouldn't be surprised if we've met each other and just didn't Uh, so you worked on which Avengers cartoon, like the one from the 90s or the good one from the 2000s? Uh, the, the, well, I, I worked on the, uh, Earth's Mightiest Heroes. Is that the one? That's, it had yes. Black Panther. Yes, yeah. yes, um, yes. Yeah, I was a, a storyboard revisionist on that show and did some storyboards too. Like I did, um, I did some of the fight scene where Black Panther fights in the rain. Uh, that the was a good Ape. fight scene. Yeah, that was a great fight scene. Oh, that was super fun. Um, oh, and I did a, a couple of scenes where Captain America fights the Red Skull. Um, what's funny is, like, doing animation stuff, I've gotten to draw the comic book classics in a way I never <laughs> would have been able to draw if I'd just been doing comic books. Like, mm-hmm. I drew Bucky on the rocket um, for the Avengers. I drew Black oh, wow. Panther. I drew a bunch of cool Hawkeye shit. Like, mm-hmm. it's uh, It's cool. I mean, I even drew some Wonder Man stuff in the cartoon. Um, yeah. Yeah. Honestly, uh, so that cartoon is in, in my in my personal top five favorite best. Oh, yeah? Yeah. And and, and it's a shame that what I call the, uh, the trickle-down Disney effect. Because from what I heard, I could be wrong, but that car- cartoon mainly got canceled because Disney bought Marvel and want to bring all of the cartoons over to uh, Disney XD. 
I think that there might be some truth to that, but I also know that when I was working on it, the, the, the only trouble that the show ever really had in my experience is that the scripts were gigantic. Really? <laughs> so you would have um, – I remember I worked on one scene with Graviton where like I think mm-hmm. New York gets lifted out of the ground or something. I can't – it's been so long. But like huge epic storylines with – with gigantic backgrounds and uh, hundreds of people. And so I think the show was just always expensive. Mm, that's a big one too. Yeah. Uh, but that, yeah. So, and that cartoon also doesn't get like the accolades that I think that it should get. Cause uh, in terms of story, it was so, it, it was a love letter to the comics. It's a, I mean, yeah, no, it's a, it's a badass comic book cartoon. There's no doubt. Graviton. You just said Graviton, man. I did. <laughs> in a cartoon. Uh, yeah, no, Thor's in it. I mean, it's it's badass. There's great Hulk stuff. There's a, yes. I drew a really cool Hawkeye fight scene where he fights a bunch of dudes in the desert. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, no, there's it's there's cool shit in that cartoon. Yes. But, like it's it's epic. I think if you look, if you have to, if there's a continuity of the cartoons, I think that that first Avengers was kind of the format for Young Justice in that yeah. uh, Young Young Justice is epic. And yes. um, the Avengers really did that first. Mm-hmm. I definitely did. Um, yeah, um, did you ever work with uh, Greg uh, Weissman? Uh, I worked on the first season of Young Justice. I was one of the oh, four did you? guys. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So you did, yeah. Greg Weissman is probably, in my opinion, the, the absolute best animation writer in history. He he does tend to write really big epic yes. shit. Um yes. and he does love comics. So he mm-hmm. he definitely get he has a feel for the sure scale of things. And I think the downside of that is that animation of Force in America is still kind of geared towards kids and that might be a little bit too much for kids sometimes. <laughs> well, I just do know that the pace can be can be a little bit overwhelming sometimes. It, it, maybe not for the fans, but certainly for the artist. Like it's a lot. <laughs> I can imagine all the characters yeah. too. The scary characters. Yeah. Tons, tons, tons of characters. <laughs> Graviton, which is all. I was yeah, Graviton. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, but I mean, you're you're a fan of Young Justice. I mean, we had everybody in that. Everybody, and and, and makes me so happy. He's looking in the background, seeing like hardware, and this is the most oh, obscure yeah. characters. Clarion the Witch Boy. Clarion the fucking Witch Boy. I drew the um I was I did a bunch of storyboards for the episode where they where they go into that uh that crazy ass fourth like the Doctor uh Doctor Fate episode. Yes, oh uh, man where they, yeah. where they first meet Clarion and then mm-hmm. at the end where they have that gigantic battle with the giant cat and they're all <laughs> in the woods. Man, that shit was bananas. Yes, man. <laughs> yes. Uh, and that got canceled. The rumor is because they couldn't really sell toys with it because a lot of animation is contingent on selling like, the merch from it. Well, I, I do know that um, I do know that it's true that uh, that toys are always part of the process when it comes to selling a cartoon. Um, I don't know if that's if they couldn't sell the toys or if there's just a bad timing. Um, that could be it too. I know that yeah. when the toys did finally come out, they always sold. Mm. But I just don't know if they ever made it. Um, if the timing ever worked out for people to watch the episode, then get the toy. Gotcha. Yeah. But once again, that's you know, I'm sitting at my desk, you know, in the middle of Burbank, <laughs> trying to meet a deadline. That kind of stuff was always way above my pay grade. Right. 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 But again, um, 
the animation which you were a part of is some of the best animation ever in a cartoon. Well, that 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 card in, in particular, like we all love the characters, and I know that guys stayed, me in particular, stayed long hours trying to make it good, mm-hmm. put everything into it. Um, Phil Barossa, the designer uh, mm-hmm. of that show, was worked there twenty four seven. He was always there. He put so many hours into that cartoon trying to make it awesome. And it, it definitely showed, yeah, because uh, definitely Young Justice is amazing. Um, Avengers, Earth, Mighty's Heroes, Justice League Unlimited. Oh, yeah, oh. that was a great show. That was a lot of fun to work on. The first two seasons were good, but then in, in Olympic, as a as an adult, seeing like that long storyline throughout the entire season, that entire arc, and then when they tied in Batman Beyond at the end, whew. yeah. Whew. Well, I mean, they, they like the people who make these cartoons. Really, and I don't know if I can stress this enough. Love comics. <laughs> they really, they really love comics, and they get the the point, and they put a lot of time and effort into making this shit all perfect. Yeah. And and those examples it definitely shows because uh, uh, when they tied in Batman Beyond and Superman and the old Batman, it was amazing. Oh yeah, man. that episode yeah. Uh, is probably one of the best episodes of, of anything I've ever seen in my life, live action, whatever the fuck. Yeah, no, they they um uh, the people who write those shows and Bruce Tim in particular, man, he yeah. he's got a great. He knows what the hell's going on. He's fantastic at that stuff. Mm-hmm. But everyone involved in that cartoon, man, they, they, it's that's one thing that I like about animation is like those guys are there twenty four seven, planning, doing backgrounds, making sure everything's just right. It really is a labor of passion. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um. So you've done a couple of comics again in like last few years. I think some of the DC Rebirth, uh, the new 52 stuff, right? I did, um, I've done a Supergirl, a Superboy, and I did an episode, I did a few issues of uh, Legion of Superheroes. Yes. Um, and I did uh, an, an issue that I really liked, and I don't know if people really liked, but didn't go over very well, was a an issue with um, of Superman that had Bizarro in it. They did a one month where it was just the villains. Okay, villain month, yeah, a, okay. Yeah, and I did a Bizarro issue, so uh, which I really liked, but I don't know if it went over well. <laughs> yeah, because that's when they had like I mean, because the new Fifty Two, I personally liked a lot, but they changed a lot of fan favorite characters and changed like their their interpretations, and that did kind of get like get like some backlash. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, it's tough to change anything. I mean, I have to say, as much as I enjoyed drawing Superman, I had a hard time drawing him in boots and jeans. I thought that was... I, mean, <laughs> it, I love it, that it Superman. It looked cool, right? <laughs> but it's weird. I mean, it was, it was it weird is. for me as a fan to draw him differently like that. I mean, it was cool, but it, it took some getting used to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, but I always give DC credit, because DC will try a lot of things that Marvel won't try. Sure. Well, they've certainly revamped. They've since Crisis on Infinite Earth back in the '80s. They've yes. they've tried to reinvent the wheel a bunch of times. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times, in terms of uh, quality of the actual work itself, it has been really good. But people, unfortunately, just like seeing the same shit over and over again. They keep cycling out the same shit. Right. Well, it's real hard to get like if you if there's stuff that you like about Superman, how do you 
change Superman and make him all new, but still keep him the same. I think that's right. a real, almost impossible task. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. Um, so what brought you back to comics after spending so much time in animation? Well, I've been doing um, animation for a long time, and then I'd always wanted to uh, do something creator-owned, and I, and I really wanted to... I mean, I like Los Angeles, but I wanted to, I didn't want to be an old man in Los Angeles. Um, and so, uh, and my wife is a novelist and so we didn't need necessarily for her to live in, in, in Los Angeles. And we kind of both decided that we wanted to live someplace where there was more rain and trees and rivers and stuff. So, uh, we decided to move to Oregon. I decided to go freelance. So I'm doing freelance animation storyboards when I can also fit in comic book stuff. So it's gotcha. basically the best of both worlds. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So was there any type of, um, what's the word to best uh, ask you? When you wanted to get back in, how was that transition talking to like to Marvel DC again? Well, I'm, I'm super lucky. Like I know um, the, uh, when I got in and I did a couple issues of Legion of Superheroes, I got that because my friend Scott Collins mm. was working on the book, and he knew they needed a fill-in guy. So, you know, having been in it for so long, I have an unfair advantage of if I'm available and people need a book, then I know, like, they just call me. Nice. So, yeah, the, the trick is making sure that you can time your availability with when they mm-hmm. need someone. But when it comes down to finding the work, uh, it's not fair. I mean, I know... I know all. I know everybody. <laughs> I've, been do, I've been doing comics since I was, you know, in my early twenties, um, and so many of the people who, uh, you know, and it's a pretty small business. Like most of us who got in in the nineties are still in. Yeah, some, uh, but there are a certain contingent of guys from the nineties because tastes change, and then like the editors yeah. change, like um, Chuck Dixon. He can still go, but uh, it seems like Marvel and DC, unfortunately, they, they are, he can't hire him. Same thing with Christopher Priest. Um, for years, he, he was trying to get back in, and then like they took a, a chance on him on Deathstroke, and now like he's one of the mo- that's one of the most critically uh, acclaimed books. But he could oh he could he could never not write. But it just like stop hiring because takes change. Yeah, well, and also, too, is, like, it's one thing when you know, like, Fabian, who is the guy I got in with mm-hmm. at at Marvel, he's not an editor anymore, right? right? So when he moves on, I don't necessarily know who to call. So, mm-hmm. yeah, taste change for sure. People, like, they, and also it's important to give new guys a break. Um, True. But, but a lot of times it's just the guy who would hire you doesn't work there anymore. <laughs> right. <laughs> I mean, a lot of times it's just that simple. Like, mm-hmm. um, I know people who I'm good friends with who are fans of my work, and I would work with them again, but they've moved on to other shit. They're writing novels of their own, or right. they're, they're, you know, they're working at, at, uh, the, at Marvel doing, like, the live-action movies. So mm-hmm. it just, it's not a, you know, it's not a connection anymore. Yeah. Um... Which is really, you make a good point too. Like that, they have to find room for the new guys too. But I feel like if you can still go and you're still great, then get these guys work. Because uh, I've heard, unfortunately, horror stories of guys who who are, are, are basically it's like they're brand new again, trying to get back in. 
Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, that's it's it's always it's always tough to be you know because as a professional artist, you're selling two things: you're selling yourself, mm-hmm. but then you're also selling what you can bring to the table, right? Like if fans like you, right? And um, I know that for a long time at Marvel, they were uh, doing a real animated. Um, uh, you know, like almost manga thing. Yeah. Right. Yep, that was, yep, yep, yep. And, and that was, that was the Vogue at the time. Mm-hmm. And the truth is I don't draw like that at all. Right. Like that's, <laughs> and it wasn't because people didn't like me or that, you know, I, I wasn't good enough to do the work. It's just, that was not what was what people were buying. So, yeah. and it's tough to make the, the train. It's tough to make the leap over one of those. Like mm-hmm. if you're say I'm a nineties guy, and uh, then there's the vogue of the manga guy, and then there's the vogue of the guy who uses a shit ton of photo reference <laughs> and is super realistic. And then maybe it swings back to kind of a '90s guy feel. Um, I'm I'm gone. I'm doing something else, right? Like, right. So so the, whoever they find is going to have a '90s feel, but it's not going to be '90s guys anymore. Plus, man, drawing comics is hard. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> right, right. Like, That's what I hear. It's, it's a young man's game. Like it's, <laughs> um, it's it's late nights. It's bad posture. It's uh, crazy detail. It's it's hard. It's mm-hmm. drawing comics is a hard job. <laughs> so like to that point, um, perfect segue for me. Um, you draw my my own Wonder Man by hand, but being that you worked in animation, how things have uh, kind of changed recently. Is any amount of your workflow like on a Cintiq or like an iPad Pro for like an Apple Pencil or anything like that? I, so I do most of my comic book stuff. Um, I still draw on paper, mm-hmm. and then I'll scan it in and uh, fix it up and adjust it and then send it um, using Photoshop and uh, just a server, right? So mm-hmm. you don't mail anything anymore. It's all digital. Right. But I still the, the bulk of the work in a comic is still done on paper for me, but uh, everything I do in animation I draw on just straight on my Cintiq. Mm, okay. Right. So I use a program called Toon Boom when I do storyboards, and I just draw right, just right into it. Just way easier. Yeah, it's so much easier. And then um, a lot of the newer guys and girls are doing everything strictly. I mean, uh, what's his name? Clayton Henry, who draws for DC, he does everything exclusively on, on like his iPad Pro. A ton of guys. I mean, a ton of guys, and it, it, the the product looks amazing. Yeah. Um, you can't tell. In the end. It, yeah, in the end, it only matters how good the page looks, right? It doesn't matter what the tool is. Exactly. I just hope that they get paid for pencils and ink still. <laughs> I think that um, – I'm not sure how that works. I know that uh, my friend Scott, he draws he draws his pages uh, super tight in pencil, and he scans them in, and he does a bunch of stuff in Photoshop to them um, in the computer. He basically inks digitally, and he mm-hmm. gets paid for both. Nice. But um, – yeah, but I think that's you know it's it's not like it's not like back in the old days where you would a pencil would hand over a mm-hmm. loosely penciled page to a finisher. It just doesn't really happen that much anymore. Yeah, and hope that it gets to them without being damaged in FedEx. Right, right. I mean, <laughs> uh, occasionally that would happen. I lost stuff airborne. I don't know if that they're even still around anymore. And then um, every once in a while, you would it happened rarely, but every once in a while, uh, pages would get lost. Mm. And then you're just fucked. Yeah. 
I guess I gotta redraw it. <laughs> I mean, yeah, that's why. I mean, it's you would you would just trace. You would hopefully get a photocopy of it and just trace it off and send it. But mm-hmm. yeah, it happened. I mean, it's not. It didn't happen a lot, but every once in a while it did, and you oh, it was heartbreaking. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine because yeah, because as you've been saying, all that blood, sweat, and tears you put into a page, and then the shit's yeah. gone. Whew. Just gone. Yeah, I mean, like I said, it didn't happen a lot, but when it did, man, it was a ball bunch. It was a definitely a ball bunch. <laughs> um, as we kind of wrap up here, like a few more questions for you. Um, are there any books for the big two that you still want to work on that you could have worked on in the past or something like you never worked on? You know, I've always for, for – I would go, I would do Wonder Man again in a second. I still love that character. Mm-hmm. Um, I still think that he's cool and I think that he'd be fun to work on again. I would love – for Marvel, I would love to do uh, Silver Surfer. I always liked mm. the sci-fi space stuff. I think that would be yeah. a lot of fun. Um, and then at DC, I, when I was a kid, I loved Warlord, the the Mike Rell stuff. Wow. Deep cuts. So, yeah. <laughs> I always, I, did you like that stuff? Yeah, I, I, I did. Always, I, always, I always loved the world, and I would do that book in a second. Um but no, I was pretty lucky at both those companies. I got to do most of the characters that I liked. Mm-hmm. I would love to see you do the question. Oh yeah, the question would be awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, Dennis Cowan did such a fantastic job, um, and Tommy Lee did such a great job. I would love. Yeah. I love martial arts, so I would. I think that would be fun to do. But uh, man, I would hate to try and compete or just even be held up next to those guys. <laughs> I mean, I think you could definitely compete, man. Uh, now, I would love to see Denny O'Neill, who who still who, who can still go. He's still yeah. an amazing writer. Oh, Him. Man, that would be a dream project. Yeah, you write the question. Oh, yeah, that'd be sweet. <laughs> yeah, one hundred percent. That'd be awesome. That'd be a dream come true. Uh, and then next kind of uh, lightning round question. Um, Nathan Fillion was kind of cast as Wonder Man in Guardians 2, but I think he got cut out or something like that. I think they they filmed – I mean all what I know for sure is that they filmed the movie posters okay. uh, with him as Simon Williams, and I know that those got cut out. Um, so I don't know if that means that when they make the next I don't know – I don't know if he's supposed to be in the rounds as the next guy or if it's – um, but I do think he's a perfect choice. I think he's That's awesome. That's what I was going to ask. Yeah. yeah. No, I was. I think he's great. I think he's a perfect candidate. I think he's a great Simon Williams. I think he really bring a lot of uh, that kind of comedy, but also heart to mm-hmm. Wonder Man. Mm-hmm. Um, no, I, I hope. I hope someday that they put him in a film and they they have him do Wonder Man. Even if he plays. Remember when uh, Guardians of the Galaxy was in the, it was in the future and it was he was Hollywood. Yes, I do remember that. Yeah. Even if they bring him back as Hollywood way in the future, I still think that'd be awesome. Absolutely, yeah. Because uh, Wonder Man is, is one character that I hope gets some more love, and well, gets love and like live action around. Yeah. Because he's an amazing character. Um, he's fun. I mean, I think he's really he's one of those characters that seems simple on the surface, but as you get to know him, has a lot of depth. I think people really relate to him. Yeah, uh, when Kurt Busiek and and George Perez were doing it, when when he yeah with him and the vision and like all that crazy shit, it, it, oh, it's yeah. compelling. It's oh, yeah. compelling no as fuck, man. Yeah. Um. Do you keep up on the character at all? I don't. You okay. know, I haven't. I you know, I still buy comics. Um, 
but uh, it's pretty rare that I follow any particular storyline anymore, especially mm-hmm. when I was doing animation. Uh, I found that that uh, storyboarding and drawing comics are just different enough that if you're looking at a lot of comic book stuff, it me- it messed with me. Um, it, so because mm. uh, the storytelling is just different enough that it would confuse me. So right. I, I didn't buy a lot of comics for like 10 or 15 years. But as I get back into them now, I, I realize, like, I don't know anything anymore. <laughs> I, I am way, way behind. It, it changes so rapidly. But I will tell you this, uh, in my opinion. Skip the Bendis... Uh, I, I forgot what it was called, but he made Wonder Man a villain on, like, an anti Avengers squad. I love Bendis, but that I was personally upset when he turned one of my favorite characters all into a villain. Oh, I know. I missed that entirely. You know, I'll skip that for sure. Skip it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, all right. <laughs> Done. It was, it, it was him in the 90s century. Uh, uh, like the alien one? Oh, okay. Yeah, so it was kind of compelling by not Simon Williams. Anybody but Simon. Uh, yeah, right. All right. Well, uh, I'll miss that. So is there a, a Wonder Man I should check out? Is there a good one? Um, The best Wonder Man besides yours, honestly, was the Kurt Abusic. A George a Perez. Uh, oh yeah, that stuff was great. Amazing, and then he popped up a little bit in um, uh, what did they call the book? Uncanny Avengers. It was him and the Beast kind of getting together again. And oh, cool. And, and that's from like 2017, I believe. So like that's actually a pretty good. Yeah, but All skip right. the. Skip, I love Bendis, but skip the Bendis shit from like 2012, probably. All right. Well, let's um, check out the two seven. I love him and Beast together. Yes, they're they're always fun. It's an odd couple, but, but it definitely yeah. No, works. I mean, they, I think they're a really great. I think they play off each other really, really well, and they were yeah. always fun to draw. Mm-hmm. For sure. Uh, so then, next question is because I, I will close out with this. You're telling me before we got on the the live, uh, recorded portion of this that you're doing like a new a book, right? Yeah, I'm doing a I'm doing a book with James Robinson, uh, who's awesome. Uh, doing a, we're doing a book for Image. It's like a swords and sorcery fantasy thing. Nice. Uh, I'm, I'm working on it now. It um, should come out. I'm I'm pushing to have it come out this year. Mm-hmm. But it hasn't been listed yet. It hasn't been solicited at all, and I'm still I'm still working on it. I spent a lot of time designing it, which is a, a downside of working in animation for so long. Is like. Back in the day when you just started drawing comics, you would just start drawing. But after having done characters and props and backgrounds in animation, <laughs> I felt like I felt like I had to have all that stuff squared away before I could start drawing pages. And that took forever. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. And is this going to be a miniseries, an ongoing? Well, it depends on how it sells. Like we gotcha. want it to be an ongoing book um, and we have tons and tons of stories. Uh, mm. It's called Rogue's Kingdom. Um, and it's got, uh, swords and, uh, cool monsters and magic and, um, pretty crazy backgrounds. Uh, and just, I'm I'm doing a lot of the cool, uh, fighting. It's much more like fencing than, than, uh, Asian martial arts. So it's European martial arts stuff. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to be a blast. Very nice. Uh, Um, definitely can't wait for that to come out. So, um, who who else is who else is on a team? Is this are you doing inks and colors too, or I'm doing um, I'm doing pencils and inks, uh, nice. 
and uh, James is writing it, and right now we have my friend Moose Bauman coloring it, and it oh, looks gorgeous. I haven't seen well, I haven't seen Moose's name in a while, man. Uh, he's awesome. Yeah, no, yeah, that's fantastic. Yeah, I've known I've known him since God, since I was a kid. You know, way, <laughs> way back. Uh, yeah, it's gonna it's gonna look good. That's gonna be a he's great making, team. Yeah, he's he's definitely uh, making this stuff beautiful. Mm. That's great to hear because. Image for probably the last 10 years, so I was knocking out the park. Every book they put out is amazing. I just, so when I was in New Zealand, I got to hang out with uh, Nick Tricato, um, okay. the guy who does East of West. Um, mm-hmm. And that book is stunning. Such yes. a great book. Yes. Yeah. Um, Before we close out, yeah, so tell the people about your trip to New Zealand. Oh, well, I mean, I was... Um, I was there in Christchurch and a beach town called Tauranga, which is on the coast um, uh, east of Auckland. It's If you can ever go to New Zealand, go. The people are amazing. The food is fantastic. The nice. weather is – I mean it really is Middle Earth. It's so beautiful. <laughs> it's really it's really great. And I, I mean I'm, I'm incredibly lucky that, that there are still comic book fans and animation fans um, – uh, who actually want to meet you in person? So I get to travel all over and do that. Yeah, that sounds like the life, man. That definitely sounds like the life. Oh yeah, it's pretty great. There's there's long hours and bad backs and bad food and stuff like that when you're when you're sitting at your table, but uh, but you can't really beat being a professional artist. Yeah, man. Um, so I won't take up too much more of your time, but hopefully when that book is closer. Are coming out? You can come back on, and I'll probably have my co-host here then, and then we can kind of um, talk about that more uh, in depth. Right on. Right on. Yeah. All, all right, man. Uh, so thank you. Oh, also, um, you did draw the solitaire card that I have. Oh, okay, cool. All right. It's him on like an operating table. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's where he's getting the nanites and stuff. I remember that one. Yeah. Right all, right. All, right. all right, man. Jeff. Well, it's been really great to hang out with you. Thank you very much for calling. Thank you so much for coming right. on, man. All right, well, I'll talk to you next time. Yep, yep, for sure, for sure. All right, have a good night. All right